Welcome to episode 17 of the Trench Warfare Podcast presented by Blue Wire. I'm your host, Brandon Thorne. And today we're going to start off this podcast by going to mailbag questions that I presented on Twitter regarding NFL offensive and defensive line play. So I got a lot of questions, really good questions that I want to get to for you guys. And after that, we're going to go to an interview that I did with Baltimore Ravens left tackle Ronnie Stanley. And I think that you guys are going to enjoy that. We started with his time at Notre Dame, talking about playing for Coach Heastan and what that was like, playing for such a great coach. We talked about being a teammate of Zach Martin at Notre Dame, and he actually, Stanley, took over at left tackle for Martin when he left and got drafted. So we're going to talk about that dynamic a little bit. And then we're going to talk about his time in the NFL so far, uh, the, the best competition he's faced, the other left tackles that he watches in the league and what he tries to take from their game. Um, and we're going to, we touched on a lot of other things uh, for, regarding his, his career and different things that he does well and, and technical type of stuff that offensive linemen love to talk about. So um, I think you guys are going to enjoy that interview. But before we go over there, I'm going to try to answer some of these questions quickly for you guys. So the first one is from uh, at Sigmund Bloom. So Sigmund is a guy I've, I've been on his uh, his show a couple of times, and he does great work for Football Outsiders. But he says, who are some defensive linemen who could be unleashed with new roles in scheme or team changes? So a couple names that came to mind. The first one is Solomon Thomas, the 49ers defensive lineman, who has primarily been playing a, sort of a five-technique alignment during his time in the NFL thus far, but I think he's most effective as a three technique when he's kicked inside. I don't really see him stressing offensive tackles with speed much off the edge. I think if you put his his body type and his skill set inside, um, I think that that's where he can have the most success and he can be a totally different player in there. So that's that's really the one that popped up first for me. And another one is Larry Ogunjobi. I think he's one of the best nose tackles in the league. He sometimes plays three technique as well. But I think if he played more three technique, he would have more numbers and more notoriety and recognition with a lot of people. Um, but with that said, I not that I necessarily think he needs to play that to be more effective because he's very good where he is now. But that's a guy who I think if he did have that opportunity, he could really thrive in that role as well. Um, although he does play both, like I said, I just I think that that's kind of one of a more of a nuanced one that I think could uh, present a little bit more production for him, um, you know, at least statistic wise, because he produces at a very high level, even if it doesn't always show up on the stat sheet. But that's another one. And I took your question another way initially, Sig, and that was, um, you know, I thought of who was going to be unleashed this year in a new role. And a couple names, Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi's teammate in, in uh, Cleveland. Um, you know, Vernon has played for the Dolphins and the Giants prior to who he's going to play for this year, the Browns. And I, he, he has never played on a defensive line rotation like he's going to play in in Cleveland. So just that alone, I think the, the amount of attention that is going to go away from him in 2019 is going to allow him to have probably a lot of favorable matchups. So I think that, that that is somebody who can be unleashed a little bit and maybe hit double-digit sacks, but, um, you know, because I'm not necessarily saying Vernon is a very good player in of himself. I think he's a you know solid to a good player, but when you put him in a position that he's going to be in with all the talent that he's playing with, I think that he has an opportunity to, to kind of see a spike in production. 
And another guy is Malik Jackson with the Philadelphia Eagles going to Philly, playing alongside Fletcher Cox, playing, a, playing in a Jim Schwartz scheme who favors interior defensive line play as much as he does and wants guys to penetrate up the field. Um, that's what he's going to get to focus on. And, yeah, I just think Malik Jackson, after having a little bit of a down year in 2018, can have more of a 2017 version year in 2019 in Philly. So those those are some names that I'd throw out there for that. Um, the next question is from at Nick Kendall, MHH. And he says, how can Bradley Chubb and Von Miller take the next step and can it be enough to eva- elevate the Broncos into a top three defense and c- contender for the playoffs? So I don't really know how Von Miller can take the next step, to be honest, as a player. I mean, I think he just needs to keep doing what he's doing. And he's going to continue being elite. Although I did say at his pass rush, I-, I saw at his pass rush summit that he's trying to incorporate the cross chop move into his repertoire of pass rush moves and if he could do that I mean that would just be another move on top of his four or five that he has now that would just be incredible to see so maybe if he can have a you know really really good cross chop move like Demarcus Lawrence or Yannick Nkakwe or DeForest Buckner or something if he can have that cross chop to his arsenal I think that would be incredible but um, Bradley Chubb I think clearly needs to establish more of an outside move to his game not that he's ever going to be a really good cornering type of rusher like Von Miller because he primarily wins with power and going inside but if he can just have something to his game where he can win quickly on the outside maybe if it's a cross chop I think that would be huge for him or even just some sort of swipe or a stab something so he can win that edge a little bit more consistently would really I think make him much more of a threat as a pass rusher, um, he's a, he's a good pass rusher now, but I think that that's kind of an area of his game that you don't see him winning in a lot. But if he could do that, I think they can. He could really take the next step. And you know, if those things happen, I, I definitely could see the Broncos being a top three defense for those reasons and others. I mean, Vic Fangio being there is a huge is going to be a huge boost to the defense. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they can definitely be a contender um, with that defense, uh, assuming that they get you know, just adequate quarterback play from Joe Flacco. And, you know, I see the offensive line being a lot better as well. So I definitely see that, see them improving. Um, who are some underrated offense? This is from, excuse me, at Russ NFL Draft from Cover One. Who are some underrated offensive and defensive line players you've studied that don't get enough attention? And he says also, what are some clinics or books do you suggest, do you suggest for offensive line play? So underrated offensive linemen, um, you know, there's there's a bunch. I think Ty Naseki is one who's actually going to get the opportunity to start this year with for the Buffalo Bills. That's a name that I think needs to be known more, and I, I think it will be after this year. Um, so that that would be one. I think Austin Blythe from the Rams, first year starting last year, but what he did I thought was really impressive considering that. Um, that that's an underrated guy. I think Brian Winters for the Jets, right guard, is underrated. I think he's a solid player, and he gets a bad rap a lot of the time. But if you watch him on a snap-by-snap basis, he's he's really crafty, and he, he does a lot, of, a lot of things to make up for his lack of size. And defensive line-wise, just a guy that I recently was watching um, study Grady Jarrett's 2018 tape. I watched every snap of his rushing the passer and most of his run snaps as well. And uh, Jack Crawford, uh, defensive lineman for the Falcons last year. If you want to watch some impressive tape, go go turn his stuff on from the Falcons in 2018 and watch him rush the passer. 
he has a lot of uh, pass rush moves as a rusher, really good hand usage, just the things that he can do. And he has a really nasty uh, spin as a counter that he has as well in his arsenal. So that's a name that I don't think gets thrown out there too much. And the second part, um, clinics or books you suggest, I think any clinic that you can get on YouTube or whatever from Bill Callahan, Mike Munchak, Aaron Cromer, there's a lot of those floating around. Books, I think the view from the offensive line by Howard Mudd is outstanding. There's a lot of good insight there from players that he coached. So, yeah, hopefully that answers your question there. The next one is from at the Hogsty. He says, what's the Redskins' best option at left tackle if Trent Williams can't go or if he continues his holdout? And I don't really think, I mean, Jerron Christian and Eric Flowers, I guess, are the options there, and neither of them I would have any confidence in. So, Basically, you got to get Trent Williams back by by all means necessary. If I was the uh, the Redskins, I mean, you have to have Trent Williams on that team, or else you're going to see a drastic drop off there. So the next one is from at Key Fro. How has Clowney progressed? I think Clowney's gotten better each year. I mean, he's the thing about Clowney is he doesn't win as just a pure pass rusher off the edge, cornering and getting around offensive tackles a lot. But, man, he is dynamic, he's explosive, and he's powerful, um, and he's long. He, he's just, he's he's really a unique guy, I think, and he wins in every gap, basically, on the, on for, you know, in, from the defensive perspective. He can line up at off-ball linebacker, he can line up at three technique, five technique, wide nine. I mean, you could put him anywhere, and he's going to make an impact. So I, I love the way he plays the game. He's a really good run defender as well. Um, so I think Clowney is just, you know, from initially dealing with some injuries and being labeled a bust, I think he's kind of blown that out of the water at this point. He's he's a very good player who I think has room to improve as a rusher as well, which is scary. I thought this one right here was good. This is from at Creco underscore M. Per position, who are the most technically sound offensive line players in the league? So left tackle, I'd go with David Bakhtiari. Left guard, I'd go with Ali Marpet. Center, I'd go with Rodney Hudson, since Travis Frederick isn't playing. You know, at least he didn't play last year. Right guard, I would go with Zach Martin. Right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz. This next one is from at air underscore max. Thoughts on the new Atlanta offensive line with two rookies? I think it's going to be a good offensive line. This is going to be the best offensive line I think that Atlanta's had in several years, just from an individual perspective. When you go left to right, assuming it's Jake Matthews, James Carpenter, Alex Mack, Chris Lindstrom, being a rookie, and Caleb McGarry, right tackle, being a rookie. I think individually that's the best unit Atlanta's had since I've been watching them probably, to be honest. And, um, yeah, I think Lindstrom right away is going to make a, a big impact. Caleb McGarry, I think he's going to have a little bit of more of an adjustment, especially in pass protection, but I, I like him, and I like what he's going to bring in the run game and just the tone that he's going to set uh, for the for the offensive line I think is going to be as much needed. Um, and I think it's going to be something to watch for, uh, especially, uh, you know, like I said, in the run game. But I think Lindstrom right away, how he the, the chemistry that he's going to develop with Alex Mack, I think it's it's going to be fun to watch. And that's what I'm expecting there. Um, and then last one here is this is from at peon 715. How does D Ford and Bosa bolster the 49ers rush? Well, I mean, it dramatically improves it, honestly. I mean, D. Ford last year had the best year of his career. 
Uh, I think it kind of elevated him a little past what he has been in the you know prior. I don't know that he is a, an elite rusher. I know he had an elite year last year, and maybe that's more of what is to come. But um, yeah, I mean D Ford last year was was incredible. I mean his, his get off really that's where it starts. He has an elite get off. So him just just adding that element that's something that the 49ers have not had is that elite speed rusher off the edge i don't know if he's an elite overall rusher i did see some impressive counters from him last year in terms of he has a spin that he can go inside on even some speed to power stuff which is the first time i saw any of that in his career i just want to see that another season before i can really call him elite uh, overall but in terms of pure speed he definitely is up there with a guy like Melvin Ingram. He kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that element is going to be huge. And then Joey Bosa on top of it with DeForest Buckner on the inside. I mean, and then if Solomon Thomas can play a little more inside, I think the 49ers can be uh, one of the best rushing pass, or pass rushing teams in the NFL next year, certainly in that top five, six range. Honestly, I, I could definitely see that happening, assuming everybody's healthy and things like that. So... Yeah, there's a few more questions I haven't gotten to, guys, but um, hopefully that, you know, be good just for now. And, you know, hopefully uh, we'll continue to do this moving forward on the podcast. But but right now I really wanted to go over to this interview that I did with Ronnie Stanley. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And again, uh, just thank you guys for for all the questions and for, for tuning in to the Trench Warfare podcast. Harry's Razors is helping Blue Wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go to Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Just wanted to welcome to the to the show here now, Ronnie Stanley, the left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens. He's entering year four in 2019. Um, he's had 12, 15, and 15. Th- th- those are the starts that he's had his first three years in the league. Um, dealt with a couple injuries each year, but for the most part has, has played almost every game and in my opinion has gradually improved each year as well and he's quickly becoming one of the best left tackles in the league um, but but with that said Ronnie welcome to the show how are you doing I'm good thanks for having me yeah absolutely so let's just get right into this I, I wanted to start back at your college career at Notre Dame and you know I know as a freshman you saw action in a couple games as a reserve but then you took over at right tackle as a sophomore and started every game and then uh, you transitioned to left the next two years you ended your career with 39 straight starts Um, you took over for Zach Martin um, at left tackle and uh, you were coached by Harry Heinstein so a a lot to unpack there but I wanted to start and just um, can you talk a little bit about 
uh, Coach Highstand and, and just what it was like to play for him. I know I, I believe that he got there the same year that you got there. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, Coach Eastan, yeah. Are there certain things that, you know, that he ingrained into you that you carry with you today that you can think of, certain coaching cues, techniques, things like that? Yeah, well, um, pretty much everything that I do now is still still pretty much uh, from what he's taught me and, and ingrained in me uh, from college, from my college years. Obviously, in the offensive line community, he has a, his reputation is, is almost unparalleled. You know, he's a one of the the greats that is doing it. Um, Can you tell us a little bit, like, can you just point out one thing about him that stands out most to you that you think make him, makes him such an effective coach? Yeah. I think the biggest thing for, for me and a lot of the other guys was that we, we could tell that he really cared about us and he wanted us to, to be at our best because he could see and he could see and he knew like how good we all could be. And he would definitely get mad at us a lot and, you know, yelling, screaming, whatever it may be. Um, but we all knew that it was a, it was a place from, from love. And it was like he, he was only getting mad because he knows your potential and he knows how good you can actually be if you're taken to his coaching. I'm sure that's probably one of the bigger reasons why he's so respected by his players. And, you know, you played right tackle as a sophomore. You had 13 starts there, and then you went to the left side. <clears throat> How difficult of a transition was that for you? And Because I think people generally just don't understand that it can be pretty difficult to switch sides as an offensive lineman. Can you talk a little bit about that transition and how long it took you to get comfortable um, on the right as opposed to the left? Yeah, it definitely wasn't an easy transition. It's always hard switching sides like that. You know, it's it's like learning your your body has to learn complete opposite you know what what it's been used to um and but but he he helped me out you know tremendously through throughout spring ball and and uh and training camp making sure that I was going to be be ready to play that position because you know the standard that uh Zach Martin had there you know he always kept reminding me you know that's that's the guy I'm replacing that's the standard I had to upheld and he always tried to keep me to that standard so we used to, you know, he used to do drills every day and just, just really work at, you know, technique and fundamentals and, um, and just doing that every day, grinding through that every day. Um, uh, eventually, you know, I got, I got comfortable. Obviously, Zach Martin is probably, in my opinion, since I really started watching NFL film, <clears throat> excuse me, in like 2014, 2015, he's been the best right guard in the league. I mean, if not him, then Marshall Yonda, those are kind of the the two guys, but I didn't really get to see him in college. Obviously I knew he was a really good player and everything, but what was it like for you being a teammate of Zach Martin? And, you know, was he pretty much just a technician then? Is that, is that how he primarily won or or what stood out to you about him? No, Zach is, I mean, he, he has all the technique, but he's just tough as nails too. You know, Zach, um, he's just, you know, old school, just, just a grinder. And, when I first got into to college, it was kind of, um, I, in my head, cause Zach was a fourth year senior, my freshman year. So in my head, like every school had seniors that look like Zach. So I was like, man, this is going to be tough. All, all these seniors is looking like this guy, you know, but you know, I didn't know till later on, you know, how good he really was compared to everyone else around the nation. Cause I saw it every day. So, um, you know, he's just impressive to see every day. I, I mean, he could play left tackle in the league today if he really wanted to. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think a lot of people think about it like that, but I, I have no doubt about it just watching him. I mean, he's really the gold standard in the NFL. I think he's been all pro every year he's been in the league. So, yeah, he's he's pretty incredible. But but going to your, your NFL career, you, know, you, you go to Baltimore after, like I said, starting 39 straight games at Notre Dame, and you were the sixth overall pick. And pretty much as a rookie, you know, obviously right away being drafted where you were, you started. And um, I know you had, a, I think, a foot injury that kept you out a few weeks. But for the most part, since you've been in the league, I mean, you've been really consistent in terms of, of playing. Um, can you talk a little bit about your your improvements each year? Are there are there certain things that you look to improve each offseason that you've been in the league? Yeah, I mean, I just try to get try to get better every year, um, just overall. Um, you know, just to like at everything really just get a little bit better. And, you know, it's, it's more like, you know, day by day process, just trying to get better, a little bit better every day. And, um, uh, you definitely, you know, you get more used to the length of the season and, uh, you know, the, um, quality opponents that you, that you play every week, you know, that, that, you know, you start getting a little more used to year after year. But other than that, just trying to like refocus on my technique and, um, you know, not having Harry around, just trying to, you know, remember all the things that he taught me, all the fundamentals, and try to carry that over. You know, I, I think when I watch your game, to me, the things that stand out, and they did since I saw you last year at Notre Dame, that's really when I first got exposed to watching you on film. I think really your pass set is so smooth, and the way you're able to establish that relationship with defenders where you're playing inside out on them, I think your patience is really impressive with your hands. And just, you know, really just being a technician with your hands, the placement, the timing of them and things like that are, are, are those things that you take a lot of pride in, um, you know, and, and how do you think that you've been able to be so effective in getting to your spot in pass protection, getting those set points narrowed down and versus di- different alignments and things like that? I think it's really difficult to do that. You don't see a lot of guys, especially come in right away like you did and be good at it, but but um, can you just talk a little bit about that aspect of your game? Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a lot of focus and preparation, you know, um, studying your opponents and um, understanding what they like to do because, you know, every every guy's different. Every guy likes to do different things. They like to line up different places and taking the set according to to what, where they are and not, you know, um, oversetting is always big for us to stay inside out and, and to use our hands. That was always a huge, a huge point. Um, and, you know, to keep good posture, that was, that was one of the things we always, we always tried to do is um, make sure that when we do throw our hands, we're not lunging. So, you know, they, they can't get us off balance and to have that, those combination of things take a lot of focus, you know, play in, play out. There's another aspect of your game that I think gets really overlooked by the, the mainstream that I think is really impressive with you is I think your backside cutoffs in the run game are just really, really good. And, I think when you're watching a, an offensive lineman play, I think that's one area. If you see a guy who's good at backside cutoffs and takes pride in it and is really good in that area, then more times than not, they're a really good player overall. So with you, just the backside cutoffs, I think of a play you had last year against Cincinnati. I was just looking at it, actually, and you know, you know, had a, I think you had a, a five technique or so outside of you, and the run was going inside. You, you come down to cut him off, and then you kind of use your back and your some people call it a butt block, but you know you use kind of your back to wall him off. I mean, just how crafty you are in in getting those backside cutoffs is 
Like, where did where did that come from? Is are there certain guys you watch to do that, or is that just something that you were taught by Coach Heistan just just right away? Yeah, that was you know something that we um, always practice on, um, you know, during practice in college. And um, the biggest thing for that was you know no wasted motion to be efficient out of your stance, and you know just 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 making sure that you're putting all your uh, all your energy into going that one direction and. And besides that, like once you get to that point, you know, keeping your guy out of the play and understanding where the ball is going and knowing, you know, not to overrun a guy and not to let him run behind you, things like that. You could definitely see that that transition to, to film when you watch your game. And an, another question that I had for you is the difference in pass protecting between for a guy like Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson and just how did that impact you? Because I know – being in sync with your quarterback, knowing where his drop is going to be is really important as a pass protector. And going from a guy like Flacco to Lamar Jackson, I know that there's a big difference there in a lot of different ways, but can you talk a little bit about that and what that transition has been like for you? Yeah. I mean, the transition hasn't been, you know, too bad. I would say um, just, you know, only thing real different, Joe make it a little bit deeper than Lamar does. Um, but you know, after getting used to that, it wasn't uh, too much, too bad. Um, you know, and you know, Lamar can can be wherever in the pocket. You know, so you just gotta make sure you're blocking forever. And and you know, that's the mentality I always try to have anyway. Yeah, that makes sense. I was I was just thinking about it from the the viewpoint of a guy like Lamar, who's you know, once he gets to that drop, he obviously can extend plays in a way that few guys can. So I know that. Sometimes that probably could really help offensive linemen look better, and sometimes, you know, he may scramble into pressure. You know, so I know that it could kind of go both ways. So I I know that you know maybe that could present some new challenges for you. But but either way, I you know I thought last year you were you were really really good. So it regardless, um, you know, and I, I heard you talk in a previous interview about some guys that you look up to or that you think are really good left tackles. And you mentioned, you know, the common names like Tyron Smith, Trent Williams, Joe Thomas. Um, what about studying other guys? Like how important is that for you? Do you do that in the off season or during the season? And do you try to pick certain things that guys do and add them to your game? Or, you know, how does that kind of look for you in, in terms of the other guys in the league playing your position? Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely try to look at guys. And I would add, um, you know, Bakatari for that list as well of guys, you know, I watch, um, you know, definitely in, in pass pro and, and also in the run game as well. And just, you know, peeking at things that, that what, what makes them, you know, that efficient, that good, that strong in those positions. And, you know, it's not magic, you know, it's, it's, it's technique. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta know what you're looking for. And so I try, I try to look at those things and, um, figure out you know it's a, it's a game of angles for us so trying to figure out you know where, what, what kind of body angle is this guy and where's his where's his foot compared to you know where my foot is you know um how square is he you know things like that and you know that definitely um helps trying uh looking at you know other guys i'm sure that that transitions into how those guys are facing off against really good competition as well like you're facing off against and i also heard you mention names like Khalil Mack, you know, Jadavion Clowney, Vaughn Miller, Everson Griffin, of course, Miles Garrett. I would imagine that there's also some carryover to watching the top guys against those players and then seeing how they approached it as well. Yeah, definitely. Definitely um, looking for those big matchups and, you know, seeing seeing both guys, you know, every every guy happened to be at their best. 
I just think it's awesome that you're in the same division. I mean, just as an outsider looking in, facing off against Miles Garrett twice a year because obviously Garrett has a really big name and he's ascending, and I think the same could be said for you. So I think that that matchup for years to come is going to be really, really fun to watch like it was you know, last year. But do you take a lot of – I mean, I'm sure you do, but what is it like having a guy like Garrett in the division? Is it – I mean, you face him twice a year, so obviously it's a little bit different than other guys, but what about Garrett to you stands out most that makes him so difficult to prepare for and go against? Um, I would say, you know, the, the mix of his size and athleticism, you know, it's not it's not what, you know, uh, most guys have, kind of like what Jadavion Clowney has, I would say. Um, but Miles gets a little bit more uh, quick twitch. He's a little bit more faster off the ball, so... I think I think a mixture of that, you know, kind of having everything mixed together is, is what makes him so, you know, difficult. I think his ability to turn the corner is really, really special. I mean, Clowney, I, you know, I don't I don't really see him turn corners a lot. I mean, he's just so explosive and, and violent and things like that. But, man, the way that Garrett can turn corners is, is really special at that size. All right, man. Well, you know, I've kept you, I think, long enough at this point. I went through everything I wanted to get through pretty quickly. So, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure everybody listening will as well. Um, is there anything that you want to plug at all, anything that you have going on? I know that you're heavily involved in the community and everything, you know, for, for the Ravens. Is there anything that you want to, to plug? Uh, you know, no, I just want to say, you know, thank you to all the fans and supporters out there, and um, I really appreciate all you guys. Absolutely. All right, Ronnie, we'll take care and uh, have a great season. I'm looking forward to watching you. appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. Time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Trench Warfare listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter the promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, everybody. Well, I hope you enjoyed that quick interview with Ronnie Stanley. And then the mailbag portion of the podcast, I'm going to be doing that moving forward here, probably at least at least every podcast, maybe every other podcast, at least incorporate, uh, even if it's just a couple questions, just uh, make sure you're following me on Twitter to stay on top of that at that Brandon Thorne NFL. And I look forward to the next episode. Thanks, everyone.